You're listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast with Matt and Lori Krieg from Hole in My Heart Ministries. This is episode four, That Hole in My Heart, or can we just say that hole in my heart? Yeah, we're going to make it that. That? <laughs> is I that apostrophe? I can't D-A-T? get away with that. You this, nailed it. This hole in my heart. There you go. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. So my name is Lori Krieg and I'm here with Matt and thank you, producer Steve. Yes, we're talking about that hole in my heart. We're going to explain the hole in my heart model today and just a reminder that why we're doing this podcast is to show how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And so we're letting you crack into our hearts in a little bit today, but really practically. And what we're going to explain today is really what Matt does, as he just told me, as I was about to hand him a pile of notes, he's like, I don't need it. I do this every day when I'm walking with people through counseling. And we use it also in our real lives. This isn't just like a pretend model that you just take. Like we use this all the time in our marriage. So we're excited to teach it to you. Um, But to review, first of all, we're going to look at the question of the week from last week, which was about the ability to be messy. So Matt asked us, do you have someone who allows you a messy space? Maybe that's a mentor, whoever it is. And are you allowing other people space to really like wrestle with what's true and in, in just like this, this muck um, or are you more like the controlling and you see people when they're floundering, and you're like, Ugh! <laughs> you have to help them. Mm. Um, so I can start, I guess I'll, I'll just start with me. Just someone who allows me to be messy. I feel like there's a lot of people, um, Matt, you're one of them. Um, our mentor, Dave, I'm sure will let us, he'll be on here soon. And he really does let us have that space. Yeah. What were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, you, you can't steal all of our people because so much. And might, everyone that Matt's going to say, I'm going to say first. So <laughs> um, I guess I'll just say you, Matt, is I actually love that when he, he came home after a counseling session, didn't tell me the name, didn't tell me anything, but he was talking about how he's working with a parent of an LGBT kid. And he just said, hey, you really need to allow space for this um, person to be messy. And I started crying because I was like, man. I I think that's really what the church needs to hear. We're so an anxious bunch of folks, and we really think we can do God's job better. I think that's actually what it is. And it's kind of like, I don't know, Adam and Eve, isn't it? Like when they're like, actually, I know what's best for my life, God, and not you. And so we're like, I know what's best for your life person and not this whole working it out with fear Mm -hmm. and trembling, (laughs) but um, I'm going to control it. So I'm really grateful that you give that to other people and you give that to me. And I'm trying to do it, but my default's pretty controlling. So help me, Jesus. (laughs) Who else? (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like we have a a good group of friends in our small group that, yeah, I mean, they really like pray for us and and lift us up, but hear the truth about, you know, what we're going through personally yes. on, an, on an individual basis and then relationally together. And, um, I mean, still allow us to be messy, yes, hurting people sometimes, but then also share the joys once it, it you know, we come out of the lulls and, and, you know, start climbing the mountain a little bit, yes, you know, and so we have those people that are there for encouraging and, and everything. And so it's been if there's one thing about our marriage that that I would say I love is is because you say you don't do that, but you really do that oh. for me. Um, I know there is some of the the controlling anxiety in there, <laughs> um, but but you often do give give space, um, especially once you understand. Like if I'm actually speaking, 
the yeah. words, you're but, typically apt to listen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you don't see me moving, mm-hmm. if you're like, I know something's wrong and you're not talking about it, that's when you can can pick up your control a little bit more. And so as long as I'm really talking yeah. to you, you're, you are one of those people that, that allows me to wrestle and be messy and be in process. True. And so... Thank you. You do a better job than you thought. Thanks, Matt. What about you, Steve? Uh, yeah, I've had um, some great uh, guys in my life and my wife, too, mm-hmm. um, who just has kind of brought me back to truth when I get off track and just overwhelmed with life. Um, yeah. But I've got an example of a conversation I was having having with my mentor. I consider him my mentor. He would probably because he's humble yeah. and gracious. He would say, I, uh, you're my mentor too, Steve. Yeah, but, you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. He's a little bit older than me, but we are, um, in a similar stage of life. Mm-hmm. We've got kids leaving the nest, you know, mm-hmm. transitioning into adulthood. And I was having breakfast with him the other day and he was just talking about like handles that he has when he's engaging with his kids, you yeah. know, just having kind of like phrases and things he comes back around to. And I'm just like, I am flailing. I have no mm-hmm. idea what I'm doing. I, I get like, I just lose all coherent thought when yeah. I'm in stressful stuff with my adult kids. Yeah. And I said something like, you've got this like ability, this, like you've got a stump speech for every scenario, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it just is right there, uh-huh. you know? And, um, and I said, I wish I had that. And I was talking about technique, you know, yeah. I was talking about mm-hmm. having a formula yeah. And he said, what is the stump speech that you have for yourself that Whoa. you speak to your heart? How do you bring yourself back to what matters Shoot, for dang. yourself? You know, and I was like, the problem is these kids out yeah. there. And he was yeah. like, look, you know, what's going on for yourself and your heart? And I was just like, shut up. You know, it's like, <laughs> where's the check? I got to go. But it really, really was something I'm still kind of processing, you know, mm-hmm. Lord, help me to know what to say to myself, you know, and that's give so me yeah. your truth when I'm in that chaos. Yeah. That's so. So well, and that's a, that's a marker of someone who allows you to be messy is sometimes yeah. they force you to realize that you are messy. Right. Even uh, when you're trying to put off the, you know, say it's those kids out there, right. You know, or if it's everyone else, not my issue. Mm. Right. You know, when they're pointing out, they're like, Oh, you're, you're a little messy. You got, mm. You got a little something on your face right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yes. So That's John, so good. John's my guy. Oh, I love uh, that. Yep. Okay. Now we are moving to uh, taking a vacation on Goofball Island. And we're going to just do, it's a classic. What's one of your most embarrassing moments? We'll laugh a little, cry a little. <laughs> Who wants to start? I think I can start. Um, All right, go, babe. So, so in high school, mm-hmm. I was super cool. And by that, I mean, not really all that cool at all. I I had a lot of friends and, you know, my youth group and everything. And one day there were like seven of us that were at a great steak and potato company. Mm. I think it was still called great steak and fries at that point, but Mm. we're all in a booth and we have all our food and I'm like the middle guy in this three wide booth. And so there's, you know, there's really no way to get out and I'm feeling a sneeze coming. I can't turn left. I can't turn right. <laughs> There's people sitting behind us. And so I'm just like, you know, hand under, you know, trying to stifle yeah. the sneeze. Oh, and at this point, I'm also, I wear glasses when I when I was in high school. <laughs> oh, no. And so the sneeze was not going to be deterred. And so I'm just like doing my best to to contain the aftermath. 
And um, <laughs> so it's, I don't know how it happened, but it's like the positioning of my hand created this vortex that made it just go all up and on the inside of my glasses. Ew, we're going to get a mature rating. <laughs> <laughs> and so I sneeze and everyone just looks at me. I'm just like, <laughs> you have like just covered, <laughs> covered. It was a big one. And so it was really embarrassing. And everyone's like, you need to, you need to get out and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Could yeah. Did you, yeah, you needed like windshield wipers. <laughs> I, I needed the windshield wipers on the glasses. Yeah. Like a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, man. And so thankfully it was very embarrassing, but just with really good friends. And yeah. so it wasn't like a, you know, in front of a classroom or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Steve, you want to hit it up? Okay. So uh, this is a classic amongst my friends and family. I'll yeah. try to uh, be brief, but I was in either eighth or ninth grade. And on the soccer team mm. at my high school, um, it was a middle school, high school. It's a very small little Christian school. So anyway, we had an away game and uh, one of the girls in the cheerleading squad or something brought her cousin and had the great idea to like sort of play Cupid with me and the cousin okay. whose name I can't remember. Uh-huh. Um, but so they sat us together on the bus. All right. So our bus driver was also kind of like a part-time farmer and <laughs> she had this big bushel of apples as we were getting onto the bus. Take uh-huh. an apple, take an apple. You need your whatever apple. So I'm just eating these apples and I'm sitting next to this girl. We're not talking to each other because, you know, we're like 13, yeah. 14, yeah. you know, so she's looking out the window. I'm kind of like just talking with my friend across the aisle, you know, and at some point, um, the lack of like shock absorption in this bus, like (laughs) caught up with me and all the apples, (laughs) I was feeling like sick to my stomach and I'm like, I got nothing to puke into, but I'm, I've, I've got to, yeah, empty the contents of my guts. And, uh, (laughs) so I asked my friend real discreetly, do you have like a, like a paper bag or anything? Do you have anything? I think (laughs) And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, okay, okay. So I'm like, just like you, Matt, trying to stifle this, but it's not a sneeze. And um, It's a little bit worse. Right. (laughs) So then it gets like, as my friend is trying to get something to help me out, it gets to the loudmouth girl in our class. And she says, Steve's going to throw up. I'm like, shut up. You know, so I'm like leaning out and I basically used both my hands (laughs) in front of my mouth, contained all of it. There's some, you know, now cider slipping through my fingers, <laughs> and I I would not buy that. I cider. sent it all back down. Oh no! Oh, God. no yes, no. yes. <laughs> that is how committed I was <laughs> to not embarrassing myself. Like I'm. Yep. Did she notice? Was she just um, I think so. Yeah. She was real quiet. I mean, she had been up to that point too, but. Yeah, like that was pretty much the end of any kind of romantic oh notions. I'm pretty sure we could just end the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, the only thing that comes to mind is Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> How about them apples? How about them apples? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, so, Larry, can you top that one? Yeah, uh, I cannot. <laughs> but I was playing frisbee with my older sister Susie. I will be referring to each of my siblings when I talk about them in numbers. She's number six. Okay. I am number nine. Just to kind of like an image. So Susie and I were in the backyard of one of our houses playing frisbee back and forth, and she's like, "Hey, Lori, I've got a great idea. How about you try and catch this like league?" Certified, what would you call that? Like real heavy oh, like, frisbee. This is like a legit one. She said, Why don't you try catching it in your mouth? 
I'm going to go way far away and just chuck this at you. And I'm like, genius. <laughs> also, I'm like 16. So it wasn't mm. like I was like four, 16. <laughs> she mm. throws it at me. I try and like right mid midway to getting there. I'm like, this probably is not a good idea. I'm going to knock my teeth out or smack me in the nose. Uh, my nose was sideways, <gasps> like Jan Brady. I'm Whoa. pretty sure in one of the Brady Wasn't bunch. Marcia? Yes. Maybe it was Marsha. Marsha Brady. Like Marsha right? Brady. She got hit with the football. Yeah. 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 So my, it's pretty embarrassing because I should have known not to do that. And Susie felt really bad. And probably when she hears this podcast, she'll feel really bad. So sorry, Susie, but that was on me. I was 16. I mean, she did teach you Frisbee. Too, she did. So, and that yeah. is kind of what. How we fell in love. Yeah, that was one of the ultimate. avenues that, that we met and started our relationship. So. True that. And that's so thanks, Susie. how Lori it's learned. You don't try to catch it in your mouth. Yeah. So yeah. by I mean, college, you had that lesson. Yeah. And I'm seeing a theme. The nose, throat, <laughs> yeah. mouth. And now we're going to move to the heart. There you go. Yeah, Seg you. Segway. Two steps down south. <laughs> south. <laughs> the 18 inch uh, journey. <laughs> oh, my word. Let's use every cliche we can. <laughs> now, Matt. You were saying, I don't need the, the paperwork because you're going to introduce this hole in my heart journey, this hole in my heart model, um, so that people can hopefully refer back to this one. They'll skip, skip, skip the first 10 minutes and then get to this part where yeah. you can tell what is this model that we use? What is it? Yeah. So the, the hole in my heart model is really a way that we get at what is going on beneath the surface. So people will typically come into counseling because of a behavioral issue or an emotional issue. So either... You know, they're acting a certain way through an addiction or, or something. They're trying to overcome this behavioral thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, their their emotions are at a certain state that they don't like. So they're sad or they're depressed or they're dealing with things that they don't know how to deal with. Yeah. And so rather than sit, because, you know, the behavioral level is really the surface mm-hmm. of the issue. Um, and the emotional level is just just like one level down. But there's still levels beneath that. And so... And usually, like, counselors or well-intentioned people, myself, like, we we can hang out just trying to manage the emotion. Yeah. But you're saying there's something below that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. And so, yeah, if you can manage the emotion, I mean, that's... that. Well, the thing with emotions is it's got the word motion in it. So if, if, the, if the emotion is managed, there's not going to be change. Because uh-huh. there's no motivation to actually change. We talked about this a little a couple of weeks ago with the whole, you know, you can take the pill and stop the pain. Yeah. You know, and so the behavior will typically be something that stops the emotional pain. Um, but once you let go of that behavior, the emotional pain starts to come up. And so the, uh-huh. the way that I like to explain this is a really non-threatening way. And it happens to be with... Well, to me, it's a non-threatening way, and we'll get to that later. It happens to be with dogs. I'm walking along. Let's pretend I'm walking along a sidewalk, and a big dog comes running around the corner of a house, starts beelining straight for me. Now, my behavior could be a couple of different things. I could either, you know, kneel down to, to try and pet the dog. I can run to the other side of the street. I can walk quickly. I can just freeze and and stand still. You know, my behavior can be any number of things, Mm -hmm. but what is going to choose or help me choose, decide what behavior to do is my emotional response. And so if I'm happy, if I'm excited, if I'm thinking, well, if I'm just happy to see this dog, I'm going to be like, Hey, let's pet the dog. Let's kneel down. If I'm terrified of the dog, I'm going to run across the street or I'm going to freeze. 
that reaction though isn't born out of nowhere that reaction that emotional response to a given situation is based on my belief system or an so, our belief system so underneath that emotional yeah layer is our is our belief system layer so the top is triggers underneath that's emotions and underneath that's a belief system well okay so the situation yes has triggers but yeah. our behavior is the top we can't control okay. what triggers us we can't we can't control the external things that happen no. but mm -hmm. we can control our behavior mm -hmm. and so the top level being behaviors mm -hmm. second level down being emotion third level down being our belief system mm -hmm. and so if i believe that this dog is nice then i'm gonna oh i'm gonna pet the dog if i believe it's going to bite me i'm gonna mm -hmm. run away if I believe there's an invisible fence and the dog will eventually just stop or get zapped, then I can freeze and stand there. And those beliefs that we have about any given situation, dogs, people, driving a car, you know, comes out of our experience. And so growing up, I had dogs. So I had big dogs. I like big dogs. So I had big dogs growing up. Therefore, my belief about big dogs is typically they're friendly. I like to cuddle them. I like them to lick my face. It's like a they're lovable. They're they're good things. Now, other people, people who have maybe been bit by big dogs, based on that experience, would think, okay, big dogs are scary. Big dogs are dangerous, and they would have the appropriate emotional response to that big dog. So the top's behavior underneath that is emotions. Underneath that is your belief system. And then underneath that is like your experience, which is mm -hmm. either a positive experience or like a wounding experience. Yep. Okay. Yep. Positive or negative will shape our belief system about any given situation. And so, you know, if I'm seeing this dog, I believe that dog. I had big dogs and I'm thinking they're friendly. And so I'm happy to see this dog because I believe it's going to be friendly. Now, I could be very wrong and I could lean down to try and you know, pet the dog and get bit in the face. Mm -hmm. You know, conversely, the dog could be very friendly and someone else is running across the street. Now, it's the same situation, but our responses are dictated by our history, not necessarily what is happening in that given situation. Huh. And so, in order to truly change our, our behavior, we have to change our, our emotional response to the triggers. Hmm. which means we have to not not change what happened to us, but reprocess what we believe based on what happened to us. And so, you know, rather than looking at a big dog and saying, well, all dogs are scary, mm -hmm. to know that, okay, while that dog was, you know, had rabies, mm -hmm. hopefully not, you know, but while that dog was mean, mm -hmm. not every dog is mean and, mm -hmm. and, and trying to reprocess our own belief system about dogs. Now, this okay. is this is a pretty benign situation, but we do this with every choice we make. There's always an emotional response to to everything from mm -hmm. going to a certain store, from the methods that we put on our shoes every day. Like right. there's these little things, the, these little like subconscious choices that we make are all based on our own belief system. And so... In order to do that, we need to go one level deeper. I know, because, like, wait, what about because, poor needs? Because we have these wounded experiences yeah. or these positive experiences. Yeah. But how do we know if it's wounding or positive while well, our response to them? But we're all created mm -hmm. um, with, with these God-given needs, needs for belonging, needs for safety and nurture, needs for people to see us, mm -hmm. to show us our, our worth and our value and our purpose. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a big one. If we feel purposeless in our lives, that's when we start to get, well, 
more depressed and we start looking for things to fill that purpose need. Hmm. And ultimately, all of these things, which are good things, good God-honoring things that are supposed to lead us to God, oftentimes we will attach that need for purpose to something outside of God. Hmm. And so over the course of time, that can be, you know, drugs, that can be alcohol, that can be sex, that can be performance, job performance. You can be a very successful person and still be idolizing your job or idolizing your 401k and, and all these things. And so can I restate you just so I put it in the same sort of situation? So here I am, Lori, uh, and let's say I really am feeling this, I'm going to use another benign one, but I'm feeling really like just lonely and unseen. And, um, so I have this desire to be seen. That's always my one. Mm -hmm. But then I have this experience where I have been putting myself out there uh, with other people and like I keep getting rejected. And this is also like, let's say I had one when I was younger and then recently, like I just keep putting myself out there. Keep This isn't a real situation, but it's starting to feel real <laughs> and everyone rejects me. Uh, but then above that, I have this belief system that um, I am, if I put myself out there, I'm going to be rejected. So I stopped. So I feel sad on top of that's my emotions. I feel sad and I'm starting to actually get like chronically sad about mm-hmm. that. And then on top of that's my behavior. I'm actually just going to quit. I'm just actually going to stop trying. So to go back down. So that would be I stop trying. I feel sad. I believe if I put myself out there, I'm going to be rejected. Underneath that is I've tried and in the mm-hmm. past I was rejected yeah. and now I'm being rejected. And then underneath that is this legitimate need to be seen. But mm-hmm. to cope, let's say, like to feel seen, let's say I just, I'm going to be honest, I really like the cookies I make. I run a lot, so you can't really see it, but like that makes me feel good <laughs> to eat a lot. Sometimes you just want a good sugar high, and so I eat a lot of cookies. So that would be an object, that would be like idle. Instead of like getting that core need met by God and letting him change the way I operate, I am going to an yeah. idol, which is never actually going to satisfy enough. There's no cookies enough for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thank you, Matt. That's it. Yeah. That's our whole podcast. Well, and I, I do want to. Oh, JK. I, I do want to also point out. Um, <laughs> we so solved the world's problems. So no. one of the things that that we do, I mean, through in that whole reprocessing of the belief system. Yeah. You know, is something called formational prayer. If you want to learn more about it, it's from a, a guy named Terry Wardle. Mm-hmm. Um, so look him up. We want to give credit where credit's due. The yeah. only difference is we add that that core core longing section. He but he the model is based on what he does in formational prayer out of Ashland Seminary. Yeah, so, we've taken it and adjusted it, but we're really grateful for that foundational yeah. learning. So thank you, Matt. Thank you for putting that in there. Okay, so the question of the week, we're going to post actually all the core needs and this model with alongside uh, the podcast. And so we'd love for you to click there and look at those core needs. I think I'll actually put the core need inventory, which we've been developing some like tests to be like, what is the one that's barking especially loud right now? Why can I not stop eating all the cookies? <laughs> what's, what's the hole in my heart, not just my mouth? Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> I hope there's a hole in your mouth. I'm bringing it back full circle. Yeah. What Apples. I just can't. No. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. I know. So uh, which one? So look there. And so what's a core need that's really speaking especially loudly for you this week? And um, we'll talk about that. So thank you so much. Leave us a review. If you like what you hear, please come to the Caring Well Conference that is on 1111 here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We still have some tickets left. We'd love for y'all to come. And thanks so much for those of us at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Learn more at himhministries.com.